This podcast is part of the 76ers Podcast Network. Search 76ers Podcast wherever you get your pods. Amazingly, the end of the first half of the season is almost here, and the 76ers are in a pretty good place. We're going to take a look back at the last couple of months from biggest performances and memorable games. To encouraging trends. To bold predictions. Spoiler, we have high hopes for the big fella. I'm Lauren Rosen. I'm Devon Givens. I'm Brian Seltzer. What has been and what's to come? That's the focus of this week's Friday Deep Dive. We are diving deep on a Friday for the final time, incredibly, before the end of this first half of the 2020-21 NBA season. So that means we're going to take this opportunity to gamify our impressions of the first half while starting to look ahead to half number two. Lauren Rosen, Devon Givens, great to be with you guys. We're going to get into this game in a moment. I think we have to talk about the all-star reserve selections first, though. We cannot let that pass by. We do have to bring it up. There's some good. Ben Simmons going back third straight year. Some not so good. Tobias Harris not going. I thought Ben was a worthy selection. Felt for Tobias. I did. I did as well, Celts. I think it's hard to get three guys in off of the same team, but we did see it from a team that isn't ranked as high in the Eastern Conference as the 76ers are, which is a bummer. And I do feel that that Doc Rivers expressed that we've heard people around the league express that Tobias Harris is someone that would be putting up even bigger numbers if he was the guy on his team. And we did see when the selections came out, a lot of the guys on teams that are doing winning less make it into this game because their stats are better. And you have to feel for Tobias because you have to assume that if Tobias played for one of those teams, maybe his numbers would be like one of those guys and maybe he'd get to be an all-star. So is he getting penalized for being on a winning team? Maybe. And you kind of hate to see that. I did think he did enough with his resume this season so far to make it into the game. Uh, You also know that at the end of the day, there are different ways that people look at players around the league when it comes to the voting, certainly with the fans and in the selection via the media and the coaches and the players as well. And Tobias Harris was a worthy candidate, guys. And uh, I think with him, uh, what would help him now for next season as he looks for his first all-star berth is to help his team now get to a deep run into the postseason possibly remain at the top of the Eastern Conference where they are the number one seed going into the playoffs and then just being effective when he is there. It's not as if they don't know his name, but we know the name has shock value when you have a certain type of name. And, you know, with all due respect to Tobias Harris, it's just not there yet. Fair or not, you know, he he has performed well enough where it should not matter that his name doesn't have shock value because of the things that you mentioned being at the top of the East on a winning team and being very productive second leading scorer on the team. So it is disappointing, but I hope it certainly motivates him for the overall goal of the team for the remainder of the season. A couple things that stood out to me in the aftermath of the reserves being announced on Tuesday. One, thought it was a really neat revelation that Doc Rivers said when he called around on behalf of both Ben and Tobias. He said that other coaches who he talked to were like, wait, you're calling, you're lobbying for Ben? Why are you lobbying for Ben? He's good. 
which kind of speaks to the point, D, that you just made and then that Doc Rivers also talked about as well after the game on Tuesday when the Sixers beat the Raptors, that sometimes you're not an all-star until the season after your first quote-unquote all-star season. I think that's how Doc put it, and I think there's something totally to be said for that. If Tobias is able to sustain the historic numbers that he's been putting up so far this season, 76ers, fingers crossed for them, go on a great run. Tobias comes out strong next season doing similar things. To me, I don't see any way that he's not an all-star. Not doesn't make it right, like you said. Doesn't make it any easier for Tobias, I'm sure. But I think that he's almost there. I think he's probably as close as he's ever been. I could get behind that. Yeah. I just think he also might feel like maybe this was that year after the way that he played last year. And obviously, the season last year didn't end the way that, that Doc is saying the season should end the season before you become an all-star. But I think he might feel that he has, he's played at an all-star level for a few years now. And, and it is hard to consistently raise the bar but not be rewarded. Um, I just can imagine that being difficult. And so props to Tobias for taking it like a champ. And, and hopefully Doc Rivers' prophecy will come true uh, after the team makes a long run and he gets into that game next year. And next year, all-star will be more fun, right? It'll be a different kind of more traditional all-star. Absolutely. There's your silver lining. Right. Maybe next season is, is a better time <laughs> to get your first all-star berth. My silver lining, go drop 25 points a game the remainder of the season. Deep run, championship, let's party. Party time. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Hey, he can make it uh... – Tobias can make it an all-star weekend next year instead of an all-star day. And to your point, D, I think Tobias well on his way embodying that type of mindset. Had a terrific game against Toronto. 12 points out of his 23 in the fourth quarter on Tuesday. Seven boards, five dimes, two block shots. Came out and played a heck of a game after not receiving that call to the all-star game. All right, it is now time for everyone's favorite game, which I'm going to name on the spot of answer or samesies. Love it. Answer or samesies. Right. We're going to throw out a question. Uh, we can go around the horn here. We can each give our responses. But we don't each have to fabricate or manufacture our reply or answer to these questions reflecting on the first half of the season. If you happen to believe the same thing as someone who spoke before you, you can just say samesies and or pass. We don't need to keep ourselves or anyone else here, for that matter, longer than they need to be. We just appreciate the quality minutes spent listening. We want quality minutes spent listening, That's right. you know? That's right. Good minutes. Always good minutes. Effective minutes. Let's yes, indeed. Okay. Easy one to start with. Most pleasant surprise of what has been so far a promising 2020-2021 season. Lauren Rosen tip us off well to be honest I think I have to go with Tobias Harris and the way that he has brought confidence to his game he has increased his efficiency he has leveled up on defense Tobias has really done all the things that he said he wanted to do this season and I think at the beginning of the year it's really easy to say that I spent my off season working hard and I wanted to improve my defense and I wanted to improve my efficiency. We hear that from a lot of players year after year. And those are admirable things to want to do in the season ahead. I think it's really special for a guy like Tobias who had already improved his defense and efficiency last year to come in 
and really improve it this year and to sustain what he's been able to do. Something else I'd like to add um, to the additions to Tobias's game is the way he's played in the fourth quarter. Since he became a 76er, he's expressed wanting to be a closer, wanting to be a go-to guy at the end of games. And this year we've seen it a few times. Seltz, you just mentioned the last game in Toronto. Who could forget his buzzer, not buzzer beater, but his game winner against the Lakers. This is a guy who set goals for himself has had the guts to lay them out publicly and then has had the drive to actually go and achieve them. Am I surprised? Not necessarily. So maybe I didn't answer the question that well, but am I impressed? Yes. Well, I'll go the other way. No samesies to start off the new game. I'm going with, I'm going with a, a usual suspect for a lot of different reasons. And that is uh, all, four-time all-star now Joel Embiid. Because of how he's now elevated his game, to, it, it seems to me to take that next step. The thing that we've been wanting him to do, we've seen 28 and 12 and a half and two and a half blocks in the season. And we've seen it mean something at that time. But it just feels different now. So when I go and I lean towards Joel Embiid and, and anyone who's listening or, or viewing us and say, oh, that's easy. Well, no, it's not. Because I think he has changed his approach now to the game and, and what he is doing for his team. Guys, they are number one in the Eastern Conference. And that is really a lot uh, based off of what he has done as the guy uh, for this basketball team. So from offensively recognizing the double teams when they get there, defensively still being someone who controls the paint the way that he does, selective three-point shots that are meaningful within the flow of the game and not disrupting, and his passing overall. I think that his, we're seeing the maturity that I think a lot of people have been asking for from a, a veteran player, Joel Embiid, although you know, rather young, but still a, a veteran in this league. So I'm going to go with Joel Embiid. I think that's totally valid, both you guys so far. And listen, it's interesting because I did look this up before we started. Even though Joel's turnover numbers are relatively similar as they were last year and the year before on a per 36 or 100 possession basis, to me they don't feel as weighty as they have in the past. And I know that we're not in the playoffs yet, but it just doesn't seem like they're turning up in late game situations as frequently as they did in the past. And obviously we know that after the way last year ended, that was a big area of focus for him. Hmm. Most pleasant surprise of the season so far. You know, I could just go real folksy and cheeky and say the entire team, but I'm going to make it more specific than that because, hey, the Sixers are in a great spot. I'm going to talk about the head coach, Doc Rivers. Not that I expect the Sixers to be a complete disaster when they hire someone as proven and accomplished as Doc Rivers, but you never know. You thought that the match was perfect, especially when Daryl Morey and Elton Brand made some of the moves they did on the heels of draft night and getting ready for training camp. But I really love the way that Doc has set the tone for this season. I think especially at the outset, he kept things relatively simple in terms of what he asked the players to do. Didn't try to overcomplicate things. I think he challenged individual players to try and do better than they have in the past. Clearly, he's made it a point of emphasis to try and get some of his best individual players to do better together. Um, And I just think he's got a, a real good pulse for this team. 
team so far. Um, more often than not, I think what he's done with the rotation, who he plugs in when, has worked. Take, for example, Furkan Korkmaz against the Raptors on Tuesday. And the way he broke it down after the game was real straightforward. Hey, Seth Curry's not playing. We need a great spot-up three-point shooter. Furkan Korkmaz hasn't hit the side of the barn for two weeks, but we're going to bring him in, give him an opportunity, um, and it paid off. And I just think that Doc seems to be taking everything in stride, matter-of-factly, real poised, as you'd expect. Um, And I think that he has the Sixers playing what could be on the verge, trending towards championship-level basketball. So I I think Doc has been uh, really sharp so far. Something as simple as the Furkan Korkmaz inserting him into the the starting lineup for Curry and just simplifying it. We needed someone who's a spot-up shooter uh, for our, our team, for our starting five out there and and that's what you've seen you you can just feel the difference in what he has been able to, to do and to bring to the team obviously we all wish that the fans could and, and and just take all of that in in the games in the in the building but even viewing it on television you can see the difference right now with this team he has the team believing it seems like they do at least and and it's a really good sight and one other point that you made yourselves about it be quickly before we get to learn is we know it's about the playoffs but we're not there yet. So all we can do right now is just simply focus on what they are doing in the moment, because if they weren't doing good, we would also say that as well. So he's doing really well. When we get to the playoffs, we'll reevaluate things there. But right now, I agree with you that in, in the moment, he's playing really well. We don't use the D word too often here on the deep dive unless we're talking about said deep dive itself and or Devon Givens. But I'm going to throw this out there. We try to be a fair and balanced, or what did I say before? Balanced and fair podcast. Not fair and balanced. We try to be balanced and fair. Has there been a disappointment so far? Because I'm throwing it out there. I'm going to I'm going to give you one just to maybe give you a sense of where my mind is thinking on this. It's going to be really related to health and a guy who I kind of feel for as of late because I believe in him. I think he's done good stuff in the past. I think he could help the 76ers if he were fully healthy and in rhythm. I'd love to see Mike Scott healthy for a stretch, get the opportunity to get his legs under him a little bit, get back into a rhythm. Um, again, I, I believe in Mike. I'm not saying that he is a disappointment. I'm bummed for him. It's a disappointing situation that after what I thought were two really good preseason games, he just hasn't had a chance because of a couple injuries to get out there on the floor and uh, get into a rhythm. And I think that every bit of depth helps. And I think we've seen a few games this year where the Sixers, they could use some stretch depth at the four spot, um, and he just hasn't been out there. So that's kind of the mind that I'm thinking of. It's tough to really complain or harp upon things when your team is uh, leading the East conference as we speak right now and has put up a great record at 21 and 11. My disappointment is not the same as yours, Celts, and it might be a little bit more of a cop-out answer. But look, my disappointment this year is somewhat personal. I don't think the team has blown out enough teams. And here's why I say that, Celts. This is a team that's leading the East. They've done an incredible job despite not having a lot of continuity with this lineup. They also are leading the league in clutch wins. They have had 14 clutch wins, which means they've had great experience in close games, finding a way to win, and that is incredibly valuable. Personally, I like to be able to start writing the recap of how the game goes before (laughs) the final buzzer. It's just better for my workflow. So personally... Personally, my my dream game, I would love lopsided victories every night just so I can get a head start on my work. Right. So that's that's just me. That's just personal. At least they're leading the league in clutch wins. If they want to keep doing the close ones, they're more exciting for the fans. 
that's fine. But if we could just throw in a few more lopsided victories in the second half of the season, I would be a happy girl. Fan perspective, great. Reporter perspective, <laughs> not so much when you're on deadline. And exactly. Right. I love it. It's it's such a cop out of an answer, but I mean it. I like that's what we're really, doing with this. That's really my only disappointment with this team is too many close games. That's it. Right. That's that's a good one. Uh, even going back to Tuesday, you get off to such a hot start. How did it get so close? But hey, it, they still walked away with the W to pick up their twenty first win of the season. I'll go with I'll go with again something that's a usual suspect when we talk about the Philadelphia Seventy Sixers, albeit they are much better on the road. I would like for them to be better than they are on the road. When they do get to the postseason, as we evaluate this team right now, they have to find ways to win away from the center. And uh, albeit no fans and uh, we can factor in all of those things, uh, it's too many of the games that, Lauren, you're talking about. We've seen them in some, and we've seen them give away a few. The Toronto game on Sunday, for an example, that one got away from them. And then Cleveland earlier in the year, and we can point out and highlight a few, obviously, the West Coast trip where they went one and three. Disappointing to me because, once again, they were in those games. And when we talk about that different 76er team under Doc Rivers, while the number is much better, I need when I look at the Utah Jazz and I see what their road record is, I'm like, well, why are the 76ers not also posting that, that road record? So. Maybe I'm picking, but that's also me having them at this level right now after these 30-plus games where I think they are good enough to perform better away from the center. I know COVID and the health, everything has kind of taken guys away from the team in certain games because of that. But for the most part, uh, and especially the second half of the season since we're now winding down these final four at home, I want to see them with a better road record to prepare themselves for the postseason once they get started with the second half. I love it. I like what we did there. And hey, through two categories so far, we've had no samesies yet on, what did we call this game? The horrible name that I came up with? Answer or samesies? <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. Okay. We're working with it. We'll see if we can get through category number yeah. three. Hey. We'll work with it. It works. All right. Um, trend that you want to see continue. Obviously, we want to see the 76ers continuing to win games. But anything else for you guys, a trend that you would like to see continue? D, I don't think you've started us off yet in a topic, so go ahead. Yeah. Oh, this this is another one for me. That's Oh, Devon, again? Yes, again. Aggressive Ben Simmons is the best Ben Simmons. The way that he has been playing as of late, aggressively looking for his. When we talk about the way that he's been playing and wondering if it will fit into what the style of the 76ers have been doing for the early part of the season, when we've seen aggressive Simmons sometimes, but also a more so kind of give away to, to others and allow them to do it. I'm watching these games now where I would, I would anticipate a pass coming from Simmons to an open teammate, which is the right basketball play but the other right basketball play, which could be the more effective play, is to keep that dribble one more time or having your eyes set on the rim and the basket and going out there and looking for his. And so far, so good with how he has done it. And I'm, I'm pleasantly surprised with what he has done. That is the one for me of the trend that I would like to continue to see as we move along in this 2021 20, campaign. 
over the last five games. His numbers so good going into Thursday against the Mavericks, averaging 25 points, shooting 65% from the field, 80% on nine attempts per game from the line. Yeah, nearly nine rebounds, seven and a half assists, uh, a couple steals, and two double-doubles playing at such a high level. I will go with one of Ben Simmons' counterparts. I think if there's something that I want to see continue, it's the Embiid MVP campaign. I think that Joel Embiid should be, whether or not he is, is not up to me. I think he should be the front runner for MVP this season based on what he is doing this season night after night. And I hope that that continues. I hope for him, he's someone, I don't have to tell you guys how much adversity Joel Embiid has faced since coming into this league. He deserves this moment. He has worked for this moment. And I hope for his sake that he can continue on the path that he's on, averaging currently almost 30 points a game. But in the last 10 games, 32.1 points, or sorry, in his last nine games, 32.1 points, 11.7 rebounds, 3.7 assists, 1.4 blocks, 1.3 steals, 49.2% from the field, 34.8% from three, 87.6% from the free throw line. Do I need to go on? These are crazy numbers, and he's doing it over and over again. I think it was Tobias. It was either Tobias or Matisse who recently said that that they looked at the stat sheet. It was Tobias, and Joel had 25 and 12 or 25 and 16 or whatever it was, and that was an off night for Joel Embiid. What a privilege to be able to watch a player for whom a 25.17 rebound double-double kind of an off night I hope that he can continue making those his off nights and those 50 point outings his on nights and if we net out somewhere in the middle all season long he's going to be in good shape when award season comes around love that one so here's what I'm going to do I'm not going to go samesies I'm going to blend Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons together and give you this those two last year in all the minutes they played together which was nearly 840 their net rating in their two-man lineups together was 0.6 this year in 627 minutes 14 and a half that to me is crazy and also worth noting that it is not the highest net rating that they've had together in their career their best net rating together was ben's first season which was 2017-18 when it was 15 and a half for the whole season what does that say to me i think it says obviously that what you guys said Ben and Joel both playing at a really high level. Doc and his staff finding more ways for them to be effective together. And also, Daryl Morey, EB, and the rest of the front office bringing back a look and feel of this roster that is somewhat similar, certainly more so than last year, to what the Sixers looked like in 2017-18 when J.J. was clicking. You had another shooter off the bench in Bellinelli. You had Ursan and, and all that stuff. Um, so I think that... Uh, all that number about it being 14.5 for the net rating for Ben and Joe this year kind of speaks to a couple of factors that underscore the Sixers' success. But to see their net rating together leap up by 14 points per 100 possessions, um, again, I'm not like saying that I mean, 14.5 yeah. is a great number, but the fact that there's been that much of a jump I think is really what the takeaway should be, that this year compared to last year, they're just so much more effective together. Kind of takes away those questions. Takes away those questions of can they play well together? And yeah. Again, here they are. I love it. That was beautiful. All right. No samesies yet. Maybe some samesies. I feel like this could be a potential samesie category. All right. Best individual performance. Yeah. Uh, Do we agree? 50 points, Chicago Bulls. Do we go there? 
<laughs> I now, think look, that we, we can't not say that. I think that exactly. maybe the question should be best individual performance that's not the 50-point game against Chicago by Joel Embiid. Yeah, he was phenomenal in that game, and you could just see it happening. Clearly, he thought, all right, 30, 30 plus tonight, double-figure rebounds. He's going to get his double-double play solid defense. And then it just kept going and kept going. And then he got there. Uh, obviously, my, my honorable mention would have been Ben Simmons' performance in Utah, even in a loss. But it's it was it was such a dominant performance with the 50-point game against the Chicago Bulls. So I, I'll still go with that one. And as you guys said, uh, we, we all agree on that one. Honorable mention, perhaps, November, or rather January 12th against Miami. That was a good game. 45 points for Joel, 16 mm. rebounds, mm. four assists, Five steals, a block. Very good that night as well. That would be my honorable mention. But how do you top 50 and 17? I don't, I don't think you can. And the Miami game was when they were shorthanded, correct? Correct. Right. I think, you know, a couple that stood out to me, Tobias against the Lakers in the one-point win at home, 24 points, seven rebounds, three assists, 10 to 16 in that game, two for four from three. And I'm serious. This is this is a serious answer here, and I had it written down before we even talked about the 50-point game from Joel Embiid. How about the 39-piece from Tyrese Maxey? Let me tell you, and I probably shouldn't say this, I was ready to take a nap and wake up and just go through the motions of the post-game show once we heard who was not playing <laughs> in that afternoon game against the Denver Nuggets. I was as ready to tune out in one of 72 as I've ever been ready to tune out. And here's Tyrese, still relatively early on in the season, comes out and sets everything on fire. He was great, man. It was so much fun to watch him play, the bounce that he played with in that game, how he was able to get to the rim against some really good players on Denver who were playing in that game. And he gave the 76ers a fighting chance. And I think that when you – at least for me, when I take into account the fact that I had no expectations for that game and as far as personal enjoyment whatsoever, and then Tyrese comes out and crushes it, that to me was a really fun game to watch. And I know that he's a rookie trying to find a spot in the rotation, all that. To me, what that game showed is the kid's got potential. You can't just walk, wake up and drop 39 in a game. So to me, I, I, that was one of the highlights from the first half. You know what? Can I add an honorable mention? Another honorable mention? Mm -hmm. I like what you said about that Tyrese game because that was the day where the team literally had seven players. That was the seven Sixers day. That was a memorable day. We expected it to be difficult, and it ended up just being a lot of fun. It felt – I know teams don't like to take moral victories, but if there's ever going to be a moral victory, it's beating a healthy team with none of your stars – and only seven players available. And they almost did that. They really hung with a healthy Denver Nuggets team that's doing a good job or was doing a good job at the time. And nobody expected them to hang in that game. And they really did for a long time. Another game I don't know people expected them to hang in, the game against the Utah Jazz without Joel Embiid. Ben Simmons, career high, 42 points, 12 assists, nine rebounds, one rebound away from a 40-point triple-double. Another game that you think maybe they're not going to win this one. They started Mike Scott. That was the small Sixers. We had the seven Sixers. We had the small Sixers. Both were really fun to watch. And while they weren't wins, they delivered some really cool performances, some really cool opportunities for guys to capitalize on the absences of their teammates. And we saw some interesting stuff. So I would add that one to the list for sure. And Harris also dropped 36 in that game as well. Both of them were great in that game. The fact that they both were able to show, hey, we're all stars too. I think that was a big moment regardless of how things ended up 
turning out in the Eastern Conference. But yeah, I think both of them played like all-stars for sure in the absence of Joel that day. thought Lauren Rosen was just about to jump ahead in the now world-infamous game of answer or samesies, of which we've had no samesies yet so far. <laughs> Best or favorite team performance collectively, win or otherwise? I think for me, Lakers is obviously an easy one to throw out there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I have one. Go first, then. I'll go. I'll go with the Indiana Pacers win without Joel Embiid. They're, they're trying to get over that hurdle of if he is not in the lineup, how do you get the W? And they've struggled in that category. And that win against Indiana, having to come back and, and beat that team at home, I thought for me that that was that was the one that would stand out for this category. And um, let's see if we have any samesies here. I'm tempted. I think I, now that you bring that one up, it's between that one and the Lakers game. The Lakers game feels like the more natural, uh, bigger ticket type of win. But the way that they put in that zone and seeing Ben and Matisse just break it down and destroy, like seeing TJ McConnell afterwards talking about how they panicked, that one might have been the most fun at least to watch, the most gratifying, the most surprising. The Laker one was, you knew it was going to be close at the end. And, and, that game, we didn't know that the Sixers were going to come back. So I don't know. I think I might have to jump on board with you on this one and say samesies. I think I'm going to go with that Pacers game. That, cause, and that doesn't samesies. take anything away from the Lakers game. That might have been a more no. quality win. It might have been a more sure. meaningful win when you look back at the season and, and the opponents that this team has faced and beat. That might be the big one. But in terms of the most enjoyable, the most fun to watch, I think I have to go with the Cheney zone and, and the win <laughs> over the Pacers. That was awesome. Yeah. It might be a straight sweep for the Samesies. I, I, think that that's, ah. I think that that's probably one of the highest quality wins in addition to the Lakers. It's just – it's tough. This was the category that I struggled with the most as far as, like, you know, trying to find some deep meaning to a win because if we're stating the facts, you know, the Sixers have played a lot of these – better teams without a full complement of players. I mean, you go down the list, the two-game series against Miami didn't have Jimmy or Bam and a host of other players. Boston, they were missing Kemba, I believe. Uh, and No, I'm sorry, they were missing Tatum. Tatum was out that game. Right. So they were missing Tatum. Uh, Toronto, they just missed Kyle Lowry uh, for that two-game series. So, yeah, I think for me it's Lakers on, you know, drama and fun factor. Um, and then let's throw an indie for the quality win. Samesy, we might be ending it on a Samesies. Love it. Love it. Harmony. Love it. <laughs> Love it. What else? Any other random grab bag categories that I missed? You that you guys would want to throw out a submission for? I think you threw out bold proclamation for the second half. Do you still want to do that? Oh yes, of course. Yeah, sure. Let's throw out a bold proclamation. Ooh, so you must have one I already do. teed I was up there, Lauren. About it. Should I go first? Please. Yes, you should. <laughs> okay, here's my bold here's my bold proclamation for the second half. Understanding that I could be totally wrong, but this is an opportunity to just make one. And I'm going to say that the Sixers finish the season, whether they stay there from now until the end, I don't know, but I think they finish the season with the one seed. I think this Sixers team has what it takes to be the top team in the East, and I think that they can do it. I'm not sold on Brooklyn yet, and I think it would be really satisfying to see the Sixers prove themselves better, despite the all-star of it all, the three all-stars versus the two all-stars of it all. I think this Sixers team is the real deal. I think that they could head into the playoffs with the one seed, and I think that's going to be my bold proclamation because listening, I, I'm always on the scroll. I listen to a lot of podcasts. I watch a lot of sports programming. 
it doesn't feel like many people are really buying Sixers stock right now and, and really feeling like the Sixers are that best team in the East. It's all nets. Everything you hear is all nets. And I'm not buying that. I think this team is the real deal. I'm going Sixers enter the playoffs with the one seed. Wow. It was bold. I like it. You came with the take. You said bold. That you asked bold. for bold? I don't even know if that's that bold. That's how I feel. That's how I feel. Yes, they're there right now. Why not stay there? Yeah. Right. Okay. Maybe it's not actually that bold. Yeah. Maybe it's real. All right. Um, so I'll go with, you know what? I'll go with if they're going to do just that and stay in that number one seed. I'm going to look at this team right now and say my bold prediction is if they continue on this path and Joel Embiid is continuing to play at a very high level, he's going to have to do that and play more games than we expect. So my bold prediction is gearing up for the postseason. I think he's going to play more games than we expect down the stretch. I don't know the number. I know we saw, oh, we had like eight, seven, eight back-to-backs, nine back-to-backs. And he's not going to play in all of them. But I think he's going to surprise us and play in these games. I understand the medical staff also has a say in this. But in order for them to do what they need to do in getting that number one seed, for him to individually win the MVP, he's going to have to play a little bit more. So I think my bold prediction is more of Embiid in the second half uh, than I think many would expect in terms of missing certain games as we look at the schedule. I'm going to go with one and a half bold predictions here. I'll build off yours, Devon. I think that Joel is going to finish in the top two in both MVP and Defensive Player of the Year voting. Ooh. And... I think that's my half. That's my half bold prediction. And my bold prediction, I don't know if this is really bold. I think that Tobias is going to average 20 for the season, and I think he's going to shoot overall 50, 40, Ooh. 80, Ooh. 7. That's fair. Maybe you know 88. Fair because, look, Tobias, you're listening. Dad, mom, fiance, everybody. I can kind of tell when he's going to miss a free throw. It's just me. <laughs> I don't know. I have this thing. I watch him and I say, you know what? This is the Tobias moment where he splits them. So uh, oftentimes they are at the end of the game. And I'm like, come on, Tobias. All right, you're, you're in that 50, 40, 90. Let's, let's lock this down so you, can, so you can rub it in the faces next season when it's time for the All-Star and say, I'm in this prestigious club of 50, 40, 90. I like, you. I like where you're going, though. But I do see it sometimes. I'm like, yeah, Tobias is going to split these here. Maybe that's my bold. Maybe I should just make the bold yeah. prediction for 2021 22 and that Tobias will be an all star that season. We might have to wait for a year. Fair. Maybe Fair. that. Answer or samesies? Who knew? How about that? I like answer or samesies. Yeah, okay. All right. <laughs> the, the game is throw a topic out there, respond to it, also yeah. known as Sports Talk Format 101. <laughs> I'm not sold on the name, but I'm sold on the game. Here's, here's one more a little honorable mention. Since you went with the half, I'm going to go with another half. Defensive player of the year, Ben Simmons. Oh, I like that. I like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think there's a chance. Yeah. Rudy Gobert. Rudy Gobert, I get it. Miles Turner as well. I'm going with Ben Simmons. I think maybe whichever of those two teams, Sixers or Jazz, have a stronger second half down the stretch. Fair. Maybe that could tip it. I think Ben's got a real shot. I do. He does. He does. I have a question for your prediction. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Could we have a very, very bold prediction? Maybe just a regular bold prediction. Three Sixers on the all-defensive team list? 
Wow, Matisse Thibel, huh? Hmm. Because his numbers, his minutes aren't there. But if you if you look at per 36, the numbers are absolutely there. And it makes everybody else look kind of bad, right? Like, I, I don't know. It just, you heard it here first. <laughs> As he's going to have to have a big impact. Because when you look at when you look at reserves making it, you have to have a big impact on the game, obviously. And we know that Marcus Smart has done that as a reserve and is warranted. Uh, Will Matisse I will uh, garner that type of respect around the league. To, if there are only two teams, and what position are they going to put him at? W- w- the the forward, the guard. I don't know, but. That's a good one. I'm curious. I want to. I want to look it up. I think he'll get votes. I think he'll get votes as well. And I and I want to see when the last time a team had three players on all defense was. I'd be interested. That's a good question. Yeah. Okay. Guys, this was great. First one in the books. We'll do it again, maybe with a different name, answer or samezies, only on the Friday deep dive. Thank you, guys. Love it. That was fun. Thanks, Thank you. Thanks, Devon. All right, a couple quick programming notes for the 76ers Podcast Network in the days ahead with the All-Star break almost upon us. There will be a Mailbag Monday this coming Monday on March the 1st. There will not be a Mailbag Monday the following week on March 8th. We'll be back with the Mailbag on March 15th after that one-week break. And the Friday Deep Dive will also be taking a break next Friday, March the 5th, and we'll be back on March the 12th. Thanks for listening. Have a great weekend.